Today, I'm actually going to be talking with you guys about missions. Uh, my headpiece fell off, and I didn't realize it. So we're going to be talking about missions today. Is that better? All right. So um, missions is something that is very much my heart. And when I actually got called into ministry, it was actually later in life. I was in my mid-30s. Uh, and if you had have asked me earlier in life, would I ever be in ministry? The answer would have been emphatically no. And it's not just because, like, I feel like God wasn't using me in mighty ways. Um, I was a big part of the music ministry at First Baptist Cholton. It was a great way to be able to come up, wonderful church to learn from. Um, but my heart just wasn't ready. There was a lot of development that needed to happen within me first before I could actually receive that calling and understand what it was. And it was actually through missions that God uh, set me out and put me on this path. Uh, many of you have heard me talk about New Season Church. Uh, New Season Church was a church plant that I got involved with through First Baptist Cholton, and it actually planted a new church in the heart of White's Creek. A lot of times when people look at missions, they think, well, missions is international. It's going way beyond. Missions actually happens right here at home as much as it happens across seas. So those are all things that come into play. And today, we're going to focus a little bit more attention over some of our overseas. But more importantly, I want to break down missions and kind of understand what it really means. So I want to start off with how Webster's defines missions. First off, it's an important assignment carried out for political, religious, or commercial purposes, typically involving travel. Pretty legalistic in the approach when you look at it there. The second version is the vocation or calling of a religious organization, especially a Christian one, to go out into the world and to spread its faith. This is what I'm going to focus on. Now, although that is an accurate depiction of what missions is, there are two key things that are missing from the definition itself. The first one is going to be heart. Compassion for others, willingness to feel and assume the hurt or despair of others, and more importantly, humbleness to be able to walk alongside and openness to be transformed. Most of the time, people think when we go out on mission, we're there to transform the person or the population that we're going to. When I went to Uganda for the first time, which was my very first international mission trip this year, I'm going over there and I'm freaking out because I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to teach? How am I going to speak to these people? Uh, what are these kids used to? And so I spent a lot of time in prayer and prep. And for those of you who know me really well, I do a lot of that. I want to make sure that God's always at the forefront of anything that I'm doing or thinking or saying. And so I spent a lot of time, and it's always funny. In the ninth hour, God starts revealing things, and it's amazing how well everything came together as we got there. But heart, you've got to have that. You've got to be able to feel, and through that mission trip, I was actually transformed. I went from being that planner that's always like, I got to have it laid out. I've got an agenda. This is my lesson plan. This is exactly what I'm going to talk about. And then I got there and Nancy Johnson will laugh at me. But um, I looked at James finally one day because James is very impromptu. Like, you, you will speak. You will speak. You will do this. You will do that. And then finally I said, James, I appreciate that. I said, but I really don't like to be put on the spot. I said, because I really want to make sure that I'm saying what God wants me to say and not what I want to say. So I need that time to prep. I need that time to pray. And he's like, it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> so we're at the high school, and uh, Nancy bailed me out. She was awesome. 
So I'm like, okay, I just, you know, uh, Nancy's like, I'll, I'll just give my testimony. It'll be okay. So I'm sitting there, and I'm flipping through my Bible, and Nancy turns to me, and she says, David, you're going to speak. I'm like, no, I'm not. So Nancy gives up. She gives this incredible testimony, and uh, through that, there were two words that she said in that that immediately spoke to my heart, and I was like, okay, God, I get it. It was exactly the scripture that God had led me to while I was sitting in that office, just randomly opening my Bible, and I was like, all right. So then I let the word of God flow through me and through the testimony of Nancy, and we actually had multiple kids actually come forward. It was eight or nine uh, that actually came up to give their life to Christ, and it's because I released. Through that, there was transformation in their lives but there was also transformation in my own life because I actually saw how God was working in the moment. That brings me to my second point that's missing from the definition, that is faithfulness. We must remain unapologetically faithful to the gospel and seek the guidance and discernment of the Holy Spirit to both engage and transform people and nations. If we're not rooted in the word, if we're not seeking that guidance of the Holy Spirit, we're not gonna be successful. Any works that we do apart from God are just worldly things. We have to have him to be able to make that difference and to rise to the next spot. So in prepping for today, God sent me to uh, John chapter 15. And for those of you who wanna follow along with me, um, I'm gonna be reading verses four through seven and kind of breaking those through. And I left my readers next door, so I hope I make it through this. So, yes, you have that to look forward to as you get older. So, it's uh, starting with verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that uh, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's very important. Apart from God, we have no power or authority. He is the ultimate power, the ultimate authority. He's sovereign. He rules over everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. What we don't know, he guides our path. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. So whether I'm here or I'm overseas in Uganda, he's guiding my path. And my wife will tell you that while I was in Uganda seeking his guidance, he was very much with her because she was incredibly nervous watching the plane like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 hours. He's still in the air. And so for those of you who haven't flown, it's a pretty long flight. I think we spent 14 and a half uh, hours on the plane. Uh, it actually really wasn't bad, though, for those of you who want to go. So don't let the time scare you. It was pretty good, actually. Um, but we have to rely on him. As we continue on with verse 6 and 7, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is nothing. If anyone, sorry, if he is, does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, 
and it will be done for you. These verses are supported in James chapter 2 as well. When James states, what good is it, my brothers, if, any, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. You have to have action behind the conviction and the faith that you have. It was scary for me to be able to embark on a journey and go all the way overseas and to, to embrace a nation that I really knew absolutely nothing about, other than the fact that the median age uh, is actually about 14. It has come up a little bit, believe it or not. It's 15.9 based on the le- latest uh, statistics. So when you think about their population, 48.47% of Ugandans are between the age of 0 to 14. Can you imagine being here in the States and almost half the entire population is 0 to 14? That's pretty scary when you really think about that. In all that we do, in all that we say, we must rely on him. You should never go into a situation feeling like you know what's best or that, okay, I've come from America. It's a very rich culture, culture we can give. Um, and so when I'm driving through, um, they actually put me in the, first seat, in the front seat because it's the first time that I've been to Uganda. And they're like, we want you to see our beautiful country. And it is quite beautiful. There were times that I'd look around and I see the trash throughout because they don't really have receptacles and things to do that. Some of them are starting to clean up after themselves and burn, but there's a lot of trash throughout the ground, and the population as itself is not incredibly rich. In fact, the the median income is about $150 a month. So uh, when you really stop and think about that, that's not a lot of cash. But the funny thing is, as I stop and I talk with the people, just the pure joy from a simple little eraser. If I gave one of my kids, I love my kids over there, but the reality is if I gave one of my kids a little eraser, some of them might use it. A lot of them would be like, uh, and then they'll just drop it and go and they've not lost anything, right? To see the joy that was in the face of those kids, you would think you just gave them a $100 bill to go buy something with. Like I was just, I was transformed when I watched that. I'm like, how is this? And then, it's easy to cast judgment about different populations, but I was talking with one of the teachers, and of course they wanted to know about America and all the glitz and the glamour and the things like that, but she actually felt pity for Americans, even though our goal is to get those teachers to about $150 a month in salary. Many times they're not even paid, but she looked at me and she says, but aren't your houses made of wood? I said, yes, their houses are made of brick. Theirs are more sturdy than ours. They build theirs as they go, so they have no debt. And many of us have a considerable amount of debt when we buy a house. So isn't it funny how, like, we go there and we're kind of feeling pity, but yet it's the reverse. They actually pity us in some ways. That works is that defining difference or that defining moment. God seeks personal commitment of his people. 
He also calls the church to be missional and to look for the best way to impact the culture around it without conforming to worldly views. Perhaps uh, Jeff Vanderstelt said it best in a book. It's called Saturate. It's actually outside. It's a good book for those of you who'd like to pick that up. Um, He states, the mission itself is God's tool for forming us. He is our sustenance, meaning he provides for us. He's our guide despite the obstacle and ultimately helps us to flourish much like that of the vine that we've been talking about. As we continue on in verse 8 through 11, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you hear much fruit and so proved to be my disciples. And the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, and may joy be in you, and that you may be full of joy. This is God's promise to us, that he will protect us, that he will nourish our bodies. More importantly, even our souls. He will sustain us, he will guide us, and we will all be able to reap the harvest of his work. Because bear in mind, this is his work. It's not mine, it's not yours, it's not anyone else. It's his work that he's doing through us to be able to make this impact. He continues in verse 12 with his commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is our call to action. Despite the corruption, the malice, the different beliefs, uh, the various government reigns, he will sustain us, just like I mentioned earlier, He will guide us, and he will help us work through whatever challenge is there, whether it's in our backyard or whether it's something at a national level. Romans 8, 7 reminds us that the mind of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. As it continues, it starts to talk more about love in verses 13 and 14. Greater love has no other than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you are what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you can go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Going out, serving people, it's not something we do because we want to do it. It's something that God commands us to do. And we want to make sure that as a church that we continue to do that. This church has evolved so much in the last few years, and I hope that you guys have seen that. It's always had a mission focus within the, the community, but it's really branched out from that. We, we go all the way 6,700 miles to Japan for a ministry that's there. We have many things going on in the community. We're looking at expanding the church, adding additional ministry opportunities within this community. There's more ministries that we're adding 
We've got two beautiful uh, young ladies from our church that are going out in mission, and then we also have Uganda, obviously, where we've spent a lot of time. This church is growing, and it is moving. And as the New Testament reveals, time and time again, as you read through it, it says, being on mission involves suffering and persecution of those proclaiming the gospel. He's telling us it's not going to be easy no matter what it is that you do. But God continually shows and does not dwell in the past. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to learn from it, but we don't want to dwell in the past. God calls us to look to the future and the things that we can better within ourselves and within others. Additionally, God challenges us to move beyond the present and to look to the future. And I am happy to report that the future of 24 Church is very bright. We've got a quick little video clip to share with you um, about Chosen and the ministry and the mission that's there. And then I'm going to have the Uganda team come up with me for just a So I brought up with me uh, my very close friends now, after you spend so much time in Uganda with me, and I'm so glad to have these guys here with us. Um, And I would also like for anyone, uh, I've seen a few of you out in the audience as well that have been to Uganda, I would love for you to stand up. And as a congregation, I would just love for us to show love and appreciation to these guys because the sacrifices that they make and the work that they have done are amazing. Now, just as that video has showcased, so many great things have happened since uh, the Johnsons came and joined us and let us know a little bit about Chosen. Um, I've spent a lot of time with James, and I got to tell you, the heart that that man has is simply amazing. And to see the wonderful things that he is doing, to see his church that he is forming, uh, it now has a roof. When I was there, it just had three walls, and then it was kind of uh, had a tarp over the top, but It has a roof. We have land now for the school. And what I wanted for these guys to do is just to share a little bit about kind of their heart, what brought them to Chosen, how they were exposed to that, and kind of what's happening in in the life of that, of Chosen. Is this working? Yes. Hmm? We can't get that one to work. We'll introduce ourselves here. I'm Gus, and this is Oscar. I'm Hannah. I'm Nancy. I'm Bruce. (laughs) Nice to meet you, Brandon. First, I want to give this to you, present this. It's for the church from James. um, And it says, Missionary Trip to Uganda, November 2018, CWAM Ministries, that's chosen with a mission as our nonprofit, to the leaders, pastors, and all members of 24 Church, Tennessee, USA. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19. May the good Lord bless you for sending missionaries every year and fulfilling the great commission that Jesus Christ left with all of us. And then it's signed from Pastor Kintu James, Grace and Glory Chapel, Matuga, Uganda. So if you, if you will, Nancy, just give us kind of an update as to sure. kind of where things are uh, and how things are progressing. And they're just going to show a few slides okay. in the back as you can. Um, so it, as you saw in the video, we first got connected in about 2012. And James had just felt led by God at that point to start a school. So he had 40 students. 
In Uganda, there is no public education. Either you pay for your um, child to go to school or they're out on the street, which is where James found these kids. And he, having grown up without a father himself, he felt a need and a desire to, to speak to that and do something about it. And uh, anyway, so we prayed and then we started raising money and then um, we had an art auction, like you saw, and uh, it was just, it's contagious once you start helping them and you see how far that money goes. Um, and then we moved here, and it was, it was such a, a divine thing that the first Sunday we came here, Chris was talking about being intentional with worldwide missions, and, you know, maybe you have a connection, is what he said, and we were sitting there with artwork on its way from Uganda thinking, we don't know anybody to try to sell this stuff to. And uh, 24 Church just stepped right alongside, and that's been our connection ever since. And they're up to um, 300 students, roughly. Uh, some of them are true orphans with no mother or father, about 80 of them, I think. Um, they recently lost a student to the measles. Um, which is heartbreaking. And last year they had, um, there was a little boy, he had pain in his leg and then he died. And that's all the information we'll ever know, you know. Um, so there's, there's so much to be done, um, you know. There's definitely healthcare in the area, but the problem is, is that you have to really be wealthy in order to be mm -hmm. able to have that type of care. And if you remember back to that median age of 15.9, I mean, there's really not a lot of wealth within the community, and there's not a lot of money that's made. We actually met a mission family while we were there that's been living in Uganda for a while, and uh, that was one of the things that they shared because we asked them, do you come back to the States for your health care? And they're like, no, we, we have uh, faith in the healthcare system here. It's just, it's so expensive. In fact, only the wealthy will have refriger refrigeration and actually water to a house. Everybody else, they're having to boil their water. They boiled all of our water while we were there. They're very protective of um, Western, Westerners when they kind of come in uh, just because our bodies aren't really adapt to, to the things that they consume. But uh, it's, it's amazing to see how far behind the times they are compared to where we are and the things that we take for granted mm -hmm. by being able to, to go to the bathroom and do something as simple as shower. Um, I did not know how to do that on my first time, and they kind of made fun of me because they didn't walk me through that, so maybe it's a rookie thing, I don't know. But I go into the shower stalls, and uh, they boil the water for you, so I take the hot water, and I take the cup, and I'm like dying because I'm trying to get the soap off with really hot water. <laughs> was not fun at all. And then I was talking with Nancy, and she's like, oh, you, you, you use just the straight water? I was like, yeah, that's all they had. She's, but there was this pail that was in the room, and you're supposed to mix it with the rainwater to get it the right temperature. It was so much easier to take a bath the second day. Just saying, just saying. Um, so talk a little bit about your heart and kind of what's led you guys to lead this, because they've actually grown this to an actual full-on mission uh, that they are uh, running as well. Yeah, and I love what you shared. Your message was great. Um, and just to speak to that, that idea of abiding in the Lord, you know, people, it makes me uncomfortable. They're like, oh, you're doing such a good work. And I think I'm just doing what God has called me to. And it's kind of hard to explain. But when you're in the word and you, your heart is to serve him, you know, there's a, a psalm that says, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. And I can look back, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, um, 
I was little. I remember standing in the kitchen and my dad saying to me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You can do anything you want. And I had the clearest image in my mind of just this room full of kids and all these beds. And I kind of described it to him and how I would read them bedtime stories. And these would be kids that didn't have families. And he's like, oh, it sounds like you'd like to run an orphanage. And I have chills thinking about it now because this is something I hadn't thought about in decades. And then growing up through my teen years, I had a passion for Africa. And I don't know where it came from, probably National Geographic because I had a subscription and I <laughs> would love to read it. And I collected giraffes and all this. But then, you know, as an adult, I just kind of put that aside. And then, like in the last 10 years, I can remember praying, like, Lord, if I could write thank you notes for a living, I would be the happiest person. Because I love to send mail and write thank you notes. And looking back, it's amazing how as I pursued him, he has taken all of those things that I most desired and kind of wrapped it up. So, I mean, I get up in the morning and I'm excited to do stuff for Chosen chosen with the mission and the school and it's just it's a part of who I am and I don't know how to explain it other than it's a calling we have several ministries that's going in Uganda all at once and so I just want to take a minute just to let you guys know a little bit about those one of them is actually a pastor's conference to where we're kind of teaching Bruce I don't know if there's something that you would like to share with regards to the pastor's conference uh, but a great way to be able to teach and equip the pastors because they want information. They mm -hmm. want to seek. They want to get different perspectives. And more importantly, they're trying to grow churches and raise up leaders as well. How long have we done the pastor's conference? Three years. Okay, three years. And so our goal is to be able to grow that a lot. I think that's a wonderful way that our church can impact them is by leading and guiding them because we are a missionally minded church and there's so many wonderful things. And being a church plant ourselves there's a lot that we can kind of contribute to the growth in that as well. In addition to that, we have the ministry of taking care of the teachers mm -hmm. as well and trying to help with salaries. You want to touch yeah. on that real quick? Yeah, and we're really pushing that right now. And I, I brought one of my visual aids, but I kind of, we have three charts like this. Each one has a hundred circles. So if we could get, thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Feel free to throw money up here while we're speaking. <laughs> if, if just... $10 a month is what each circle represents. And if we had all three of these charts filled up, that would be $3,000 a month. That would pay all of the teachers the salary that they deserve and provide $500 towards the food each month for the students, which breaks down to eight cents per student per meal. And eight cents is actually a jump up. Right now they're spending five cents, which is just, I don't know if you're gonna talk about that more, the food, but it'll add some fruits and things. So talk to us after if you're interested in this. $10 a month, that's like Netflix or Spotify. Or, you know. And a big, a big reason we've kind of pushed that is because a lot of times there's not enough money to pay the teacher's salaries and they lose quality teachers. In fact, they just recently lost another teacher, unfortunately, that's moved on to other things. I did want to talk about the food, if you'll pull it up. Um, for those of you who, who do know me, I guess it's the pastor in me. I don't want to see what you want to show me. I want to see what's really there. Don't hide things from me. I'm there to be able to love on you, to walk you through whatever the circumstances are. So James is kind of pulling this, okay, come this way. And which way do you think I'm going? <laughs> this way. Because I'm like, I want to see. So I just mosey on up, and this is actually the food line. So it took him a minute to find me, but I'm over there, and I'm taking pictures. And so all the kids are lined up. This is actually the classrooms, y'all. Uh, this room that they're using here that's actually bricked is not a classroom. That's the kitchen area. 
with those slats on the side, that's what the classrooms look like. So a lot of you are like, that looks like something I would put my horse. Mm. That's the actual facilities that they learn in. So they line up, and that young lady there is, is doing, are giving everyone porridge. The next picture will actually show the porridge. Kids love it because they put a little bit of sugar in it. So they are not complaining. However, this is not something that's going to sustain a kid because remember, many of these children will go home, and there's not going to be much for them to be able to eat at the house because you've got on average about six to seven kids per home. And a lot of these homes are super, super small. And remember, there's no running water, so food has to be gathered fresh, lots of vegetables and things like that. The next screen shows a little bit of the reality of what's there. Do you see the water? See how dirty it's getting and how quickly? They changed that water really fast once I got over there and they saw I was taking pictures. But that's the reality of what they're dealing with. People will sometimes put on a show so they get the best foot forward because they think that's what's going to convict people and they want to see, hey, I'm doing a good job. I want you to give and I want you to support. I don't want you to see that we have issues because at that point, people may shy away and be like, I don't want to support. But you know, it's the dirty things that make us want to be more supportive than there. And so that's what's there. So this water is actually to be able to wash their cups. So the one with the suds, they'll wash their cup out. They'll rinse it in the water there. There is a water reservoir, uh, but it has to be filled. They do collect some rainwater and we'll convert it over by boiling it. Uh, but it's about $100 a month to be able to bring water in just for the school. Uh, so it's pretty wild when you look at it. But I want you to, to see that, you know, not to like tug at heartstrings. I just want to paint a reality of this is what life is like. We take a lot of things for granted until we're exposed to the other side and really see what's there. And so that's why I wanted them to be able to share a few minutes with regards to that. Is there anyone else that might have a question for uh, any of our volunteers that went? Now that, yeah, those, where we're building the school and the land that they own, they can't. Yeah, right now they're renting where they are, and that's why we've been trying so hard to get the funds to build the school on the land, because then we could put in a well. Yes. And you will see community wells throughout, like Bloodwater Mission and things like that, that have put those in, and they'll, you'll see groups of families come with these. Uh, they look like gas cans, kind of, but they're yellow, and they will fill them, and they will send them on. Uh, word to the wise, if you go to Uganda, do not offer assistance to kids when you approach them. It does scare them. That may have happened, just saying. <laughs> Any other question? <laughs> In the back? Oh, no. They are laying the foundation now. We had that banquet, and we've sent all of that. They need an addition. In addition to that, close to 10000 to get that first floor done. They will bring all the timbers and things that um, David pointed out, those slats. They'll be able to bring those over to the new land and kind of put up temporary, what they're used to, really, until they can do the brick. But the final school will be brick. It's pretty cool. They actually make their own bricks. So they take the earth, and it's a big process, and that's how all the homes are built over there. So this will be a very sturdy, strong uh, structure. It's supposed to be two floors and four, four floors. Four oh, floors. sorry. They're going four <laughs> floors. Uh, so in that community, though, like, it's amazing to see how it's booming. All these homes are coming up around it. So, like, the minute the school opens, I'm going to say it's going to be filled pretty oh, yeah. quickly because they already have a number of kids anyways that are going to move to that school. And with the, the yeah. influx, it's pretty, yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. Things are a lot 
cheaper over there if you can't uh, already see that, which is great. And things happen super fast. It's kind of weird. Nobody's on Facebook <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> There's no electricity. So, <laughs> uh, Any other questions real quick before I let Yeah. It's all dependent on the money. As the money comes, we'll send it. That, you know, so they could, they're pretty dedicated. You know, the, the people he hires, that's all they're doing. That's their only job until that's over. And then, but, but so. Now, I saw somebody else had one more hand. We'll try to take that real quick just because uh, I know my teachers are mad at me for running long. He takes in anybody who comes. That's why they're up to 300 now. <laughs> and, so. and there are some fees that families are supposed to pay, uh, but many of them do not pay them, and he still will not turn a child away. He said about, about to, 20 families yeah. give maybe 10 to $12 each term, which is every three months. So that's nothing. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for the many questions. These guys are going to be out front, so you'll be able to ask any other questions or anything that you have with regards to Uganda. There's also information outside uh, with regards to the other missions uh, that we are a part of. This is just one part of many things that we are doing. Uh, so we want you guys to know we love you. Uh, and uh, real quick, we're just going to pray. Uh, because I think Ben stepped out, uh, and I'll have him share a little bit uh, later, like in the next service. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to come together, Lord, as a body of believers, and more importantly, as disciples for you and your gospel, God. We thank you so much for the many people throughout this church, their hearts to be able to, to serve in many different capacities, whether it's serving this church, Lord, giving communion, serving in kids, whether it's helping out within the community and planning new churches or whether it's going international and, and giving of their time, money, and talents to be able to, to tell others about you and to be able to uh, expose them to the wonders and the glorious uh, life that we can have through you. We pray that you continue to guide our path, direct our actions, Lord, and more importantly, may we always turn to you for that, that guidance, that love, and that understanding. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.